we are bike welcome to another episode of the ace of spades dynasty league pod y'all know who the fuck it is man it's the host with the most cam aka the dynasty demigod A.K.A. The Ace of Spades Thanos A.K.A. The nigga with four of them things A.K.A. Mister You fuck with me You fucking with the best Follow me on Twitter at Cam's Not Sober And I'm not alone I am in the lab with co-host Curtis, a.k.a. Kurt Cash, a.k.a. the Ace of Spades 2020 World Champion, a.k.a. Danny's Big Homie, a.k.a. Mr. Take Your Best Player and Send You Into a Rebuild. Kurt, was good? Uh, bro, chilling, bro. Hey, um, you built the show sheet out for today's episode, so I'm gonna let you drive the podcast. I'm gonna let you drive the boat. But it's been a couple weeks since you've been on the pod, dude. How are you feeling going into week six of the fantasy football season, bro? I feel like this shit has gone by so fast. We're about to be in draft season before we know it. Yeah, man, I've been uh. I've been actually having having fun uh, this year, you know. Um, I feel like I don't know, man. I'm not as excited as I was last year. I don't think because I think it's probably because my team isn't clicking quite the same way that it was last year. But uh, and I, I think the league is a lot more competitive now, so it's like a different level of excitement. And it's I, it's uh, it's kind of fun to go into the weeks, man, with that little bit of uh, of like nervousness. You know, like uh, like with that possibility of losing, that was kind of missing a little bit last year because I just felt like every week, like okay, I should win. You know. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I'm finna get on your ass, bro. What you mean your team's not clicking? Didn't you score like 280 points last week? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like not clicking in the same way that it was last year. You know what I mean? Like last, like last year, bro. Like. It was like every week, bro. Somebody was going off, bro. <laughs> like, like this feel, this year. Hey, I feel like know. old boy. I feel like dude, best friend from ATL. Nigga, you got a Picasso in your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, last last week was crazy, man. Uh, you know, I um, that's one thing I, I'll say I do like about my team is uh, when you have those two like. You know, uh, quarterbacks, bro, who can combine for like over a hundred points, man. It's just, that's just nice. Yeah, they book, they book in your team, so they give you such a high floor. You don't really have to get great performances from your skill players, and when you do, it's just really tough to beat a team like that. Anyway, I'll let you run with the very first segment. I guess we're going to talk about some NFL news and notes, bro. But I'll just bounce off you as we go through these um, different segments. For sure, man. So, like you said, we're going to start with some uh, NFL news and notes. So, the first news item we got is CMC has been placed on injury reserve. So, that means he'll miss. (laughs) 
Yeah, bro. Yeah. So that means he's going to miss at least uh, three games, three more games with that hamstring injury. How do you feel about that as the CMC owner in the league? What, Steven, they say? What the hell is going on? <laughs> I thought he was supposed to be back, man. It, they they didn't put him on injury reserve after he injured his hamstring, and Matt Rule said even when he you know when he was asked if Christian McCaffrey had a setback in practice, he said no, and we're hopeful that he'll be able to play Week Seven. And then they put him on injury reserve, so I don't know. I mean, what is there really to say about Christian McCaffrey at this point? I mean, I don't I don't know. Like you asked me my thoughts. I mean. It's unfortunate. Like, obviously, hopefully Christian McCaffrey comes back healthy and we get to see him uh, finish strong over the second half of the season. But, I mean, I really don't know. Like, I don't like to label players injury-prone, but this is two straight seasons. It's different for Christian McCaffrey because, I guess, people don't talk about him in the same light as they do, like, a Saquon Barkley. I made the note about Burke in the chat, how he was, you know, making a crack on, on Saquon's injury history over the past two seasons. And Saquon and Christian McCaffrey have played the same amount of games. So it was just funny, you know, how people perceive Saquon Barkley and his, you know, ability to stay available as opposed to McCaffrey. I, I mean, I don't I don't value him any differently in Dynasty, I, I guess. But you, you start to wonder, like, he's a 25-year-old running back going into his age 26 season next year. It just makes you wonder how people are going to evaluate him. And, you know, if the market is starting to sour on him, you know, after two straight seasons of, of injury riddle production. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm rolling with him. Um, for my team in Ace of Spades, this is the only league I own McCaffrey. And so, I mean, this is a team where I kind of have the luxury of, of throwing players on IR when they get back, they get back. Like I don't, I don't need Christian McCaffrey to stay competitive, but I don't know. I just, like I said at the beginning, like, I don't really, I don't really know what this means for his dynasty value. I think if I have the one-on-one or, you know, Next year, and Christian McCaffrey finishes strong, he's probably going to be my pick again. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, that's a. I don't. I don't see why that would change if he if he has a strong finish. You know, yeah, he, uh, he, it's not like he's twenty eight with the hamstring injury, bro. Know? He 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 averages thirty a game. You know. Yeah, it's like when he when he plays, he's he's giving you he's he's the he's the best player you can have in your life. He's the best player in fantasy. He, he gives you you know, uh, a Travis Kelsey positional advantage type advantage in your running back spot. I mean, like I said, he averages 30 points a game. It's just like until he shows signs of being on the field and not producing at that level, I'm probably going to value him the same. Um, So anyway, yeah, that's that. All right, man. So our next item is uh, Nick Chubb is ruled out for Sunday. You know, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you kind of expect – you know, you kind of expect running backs at some point in the season to miss a couple games. It's just the nature of the position. Um, yeah, season long. I mean, I don't really, I don't really think of of Nick Chubb any differently. It's a calf injury, I believe. Um, I expect him to miss a few games and then, um, you know, come back and do what Nick Chubb does. He's, you know, arguably the the first or second best pure rusher in the NFL and for from a fantasy perspective, anytime he plays, he's he's giving you pretty much a locked in low end RB one, you know, performance. So yeah, it's unfortunate. Will's up for Kareem Hunt. I wonder if they're going to be able to run the ball as effectively. I will say that because last year when Nick Chubb missed the six game uh stretch due to 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 his MCL injury, Kareem Hunt came in and he was like a low end RB two. And I, I understand he was a little bit banged up last year, if if I recall correctly, but 
you know, the the Cleveland Browns offense runs through the run game. So if Kareem Hunt isn't going to be, you know, more effective than he was last season in that spot, maybe that offense could struggle a bit. But I want to pivot a little bit from the Chubb thing because, you know, like I said, I, to answer your question, I expect him to come back and be fine after a few weeks. There was rumblings about him being thrown on short-term IR, so maybe Chubb misses three weeks. But real quick, what are your thoughts on Odell Beckham? I think last game, three targets, two catches, 20 yards. Uh, I don't think it's ever going to click with him and Baker Mayfield. And I think Odell Beckham is still probably a top 15 talent at the wide receiver position. What? Yeah, I I, um, I would have to agree with you. I don't think it's ever going to click with Baker Mayfield either. I think we've seen, like, enough. Um, I want, like, you know, I kind of wonder if he, like, uh, regrets uh, – like kind of forcing his way to Cleveland. I think he probably does, but it's interesting, man, when you watch him uh, play or, I, you know, I've seen like people's uh, splice, you know, parts of the game and posted on Twitter. It's like, man, Odell still really knows how to get open. Like he, he, he's like, uh, you know, there were times where he was just like wide open and uh, Baker just missed him, you know, Um I don't know what it is about those two, but it doesn't seem like they're on the same page. And I don't, I think if I'm Odell, I try to force my way out of Cleveland. I would, I couldn't blame him if he did. I don't think he will. He's been like the best team player in football damn near over the past, you know, two and a half seasons. He's been really patient and he's kind of like wasting the prime years of his career. You know, he, he got, he tore his, he tore his ACL making a tackle on the errant throw from Baker. He could really be pissed and a dick about it and try to force his way out seriously. He has every right to do that. But he's been he's been really loyal to that Cleveland fan base, and hopefully they appreciate him because it isn't his fault he isn't producing. Anyway, I didn't mean to get too far off track. Let's go to the next topic. Are you good? All right, man. So uh, Chris Carson has also been ruled out on Sunday. Yeah, this might be that? that might be the last time we ever see Chris Carson in a Seahawks uniform, the last snap he played for Seattle. Yeah, I'm, so um, – is this related to his neck issues? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's 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 his chronic neck. Any anytime you have chron- the word chronic as an adjective associated with an injury, I'm super super nervous from a fantasy and dynasty perspective. And somebody also threw the word spine out there, so I'm like complete like that's just he's a he's a, he was already like a never own for me in dynasty, but he's a no, I, I love Chris Carson the player. I think he's really good and uh, he's he's been talented every time he stepped on the field, but he's. He's off like any type of fantasy dynasty board. Like even if he comes back at the end of the season, it's just not something I want to deal with with a twenty-seven year old RB. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. And um, the neck issue, man. Like you know, we've seen. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is, and I'm not a doctor, but we've seen people people's NFL careers be over because of neck issues. You know, so that's something uh, I would keep an eye out for if I had Chris Carson. Um, just, Definitely, you know. I mean, retirement is not out of the question if he, like, can't get over his neck Agreed. Issues. Agreed. 100%. 100%. All right, man. So the next uh, final news item that we have is uh, Rashad Bateman is uh, expected to make his debut versus the Chargers. Um, I'm excited about that. What about you? Same, bro. I think you have to be really excited. He was a lot of people's dynasty rookie wide receiver, too, and we haven't been able to see him play yet. So, 
Uh, we talked about this on another pod. I think I expect him to play limited snaps. Like, I think I said less than 30%. I still think that. Like, maybe he gets up past 30%, but I don't, I don't think he reaches even 50% of the snaps. But I just want to see him, you know, take some reps against some DBs to see how he looks, see if he looks explosive, see if there's any connection between him and Lamar Jackson. So, yeah, definitely excited about that real quick. What do you think about how Lamar Jackson's been playing this season, bro? I think, man, it's it's about that time for people to put put some respect on, on my dude's name. I'm actually really happy to see the way he's been performing and to see him doing it, uh, passing the ball, too. Um, all of those people, you know, sit around on Twitter and make jokes about him being a running back and quiet as hell right now. See out there slinging it. Yeah, he's he's been incredible. I think – I don't want to butcher the stats because I don't have him in front of me, but it was something about – Complete. He broke the record for completion percentage over forty pass attempts. I think something like that. I don't know. He's been, and people were still on Twitter trying to like, you know. I don't want to make it. I don't want to make it a race thing, bro. But you know the the type of people who were making the comments on Twitter about <laughs> all those checkdowns. I was like, <laughs> like, first of all, first of all, that isn't true. And and you know somebody, you know Mina Kimes is like the goddess of football Twitter, and she posted about how exceptional Lamar Jackson's play has been, just like you just alluded to through the air. And somebody said, the trick to Lamar is taking away the middle of the field. That's the only place he knows how to throw. And she posted, like, the next-gen stats pass chart, and it's, like, green, like, in all areas and all levels of the field. Just making this dude look like an idiot. And he was like, well, (laughs) yeah, if you take away that game, his last two, he didn't. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Guess what, Kurt? If we take away every single player in fantasy's good games, there would be no good players. Yeah, I you know, yeah, it's kind of difficult to have, like, have this conversation and not make it like a racial thing. But mm-hmm. I just feel like, uh, you know, the way that the narrative is spent about black players, black quarterbacks, like specifically, like it's uh, it's just interesting. You know, you look at like uh, some of the uh, like Lamar Jackson being one of them, where it's like, you know, uh, they almost try to like paint the picture that him being able to to run is a negative thing, right? But, like, imagine if that was, like, some white quarterback out there who had the ability to run like that. Yeah. You know? Or uh, you even, even uh, you know, I, I know you said you want to talk about the game that happened the other night, uh, the Bucks and the Eagles. I didn't I didn't actually watch the game for, for the sake of full disclosure, but I have seen uh, Jalen Hurts, like, play. And although I don't think he's like super good or anything, I mean, essentially, dude is like a rookie, um, right? Still, and I think that you know, um, if there was a comparable player that looked a different way, like to Jalen Hurts, like I think that the, the the conversation surrounding him would be a little different too. I feel like we would be making a lot more excuses for uh, some of the stuff that he does. Than we do, but you know, it's my opinion. I think so too, and I also think it's split. You know, not everybody you know tries to push those narratives because I do remember there was a very diverse group of fans who were out on Josh Allen through his first you know like sixteen starts. You know, they labeled him a bust pretty early. You know, sometimes there are net neutral fans that just kind of call it how they see it, and then Absolutely. there's the group of you know the meme on Twitter. With all the guys with the with the uh, what do they call it the, the Oakley glasses, 
and the uh, the trucker hats, and it's like <laughs> yeah. not bad for a tight end. So, you know what I'm saying? It's it's always that group of people that that share the same narrative on every black QB. You know, Justin Fields, he he's a replacement level backup. Jalen Hurts, he's only going to have one season. Lamar Jackson, NFL teams are going to figure him out. I mean, it's been like this is the fourth season for Lamar Jackson. Like when like when are they going to figure him out? His prime's on, his prime's going to be up. Like when when are the teams going to start figuring him out? Like we've been promised for the past three years. So I I, I agree, man. I think I think to your comment about J, uh, Jalen Hurts. He ain't Lamar Jackson, and he ain't Josh Allen, and I, I don't think he's ever going to develop into the passer that either of those guys are, because I think both of those guys are, are actually, you know, above average passers. You know, one could say based on the numbers, they're, they're elite passers. Um, I don't think he's ever going to develop into that, but I think there is a level in between where he is now and where those guys are that he could develop into. So I, I, I agree it's too early to give up on Jalen Hurts. Anyway, what's next? All right, man. So um, next I thought we would do, you know, a rookie check-in. And basically, you know, I'm just going to give you some rookies and you could just give me your thoughts on how they performed so far. I tried to keep it short, so it's only about 10 of them. And, okay. You know, these were all like first round uh, picks in our draft, in our dynasty draft. So Cool. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, man. So what do you think about what you've seen from Trevor Lawrence so far? <laughs> no, I just I, I just did that for Isaiah. Actually, Trevor Lawrence, I'll, I'll speak just from a fantasy perspective to keep, you know, the, the segment short and sweet. I think he's shown a lot of promise over the past few weeks because of the rushing floor that he's shown. I think he has above five attempts in the last three games. So he's establishing a rushing floor. I think I was nervous after preseason, after the first week. I was like, is this motherfucker going to run? Like, he's he's arguably, like, as good of a rusher as, like, Justin Fields. Like, he, he can run. We saw it for mm. three years at Clemson. So I was like, dude, if, he, if he's going to force himself to play from the pocket and he hasn't shown he's a great pocket passer, where is his fantasy production going to come from? But as long as he continues to establish the run and offers a bit of a rushing floor, I think he'll be fine. I think they're pretty middle of the road when it comes to neutral game script passing. So they pass a lot. He has a very... Um, um, high average like depth of target so he's, he's getting the ball downfield uh i think he's been fine he hasn't lived up to the billing uh in terms of where we valued him coming into the season i know there are several people that actually sold uh Trevor lawrence after the first few weeks of the season in dynasty but he may not reach the heights that we thought in terms of him being a perennial top five quarterback like andrew luck was but i think he's he's shoehorned in for you know top 12 dynasty value easy easily dynasty uh, a dynasty qb1 and um, I wanted to ask what you think about, like, his environment, like, and um, how that's impacting his play so far. I think it has a ton to do with it. I mean, I, I don't think Urban Meyer is, is even allowed to finish the season as the head coach. Whoever comes in, hopefully they – you know, the ownership in, in Jacksonville is really, really bad. I mean, I don't understand why they thought hiring Urban Meyer was a, was a good idea. Uh, I don't expect him to even fulfill, you know, two years of his contract. And, you know – I don't think the offense is built to suit Trevor Lawrence's skill set. And the only reason I say that, I'm not a film expert, but I see, and obviously it's a big jump going from the college game to the NFL level, but Trevor Lawrence, the first couple weeks of the season, he did not look very comfortable at all. Even in a couple of those preseason games, he did not look very comfortable. It doesn't seem like the scheme fits what he likes to do. So hopefully when they do make a coaching change or a system change, it's something that's better suited to Trevor Lawrence's, you know, um, um, skill sets and the things that he do does well. Also, 
the weapons aren't really as good as I thought. You know, maybe Marvin Jones is dust. You know, DJ Chark is out for the season. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, I mean, he can't. He, I, w- I don't want to say he can't. He he wasn't productive, lined up on the outside last game after the DJ Chark injury. It doesn't seem like they know how to use him. The only bright spot in that offense so far is James Robinson. So I think with the emergence of James Robinson looking like he did last year, it's taking some of the pressure off Trevor Lawrence, and maybe there's a correlation between how Trevor Lawrence has been performing over the past few games since James Robinson has been you know producing at a high level. Hey man, yeah, I think you summed it up pretty good. So the next rookie I'll throw to you is yeah, man's. Uh, Justin Fields, what do you think about what you've seen from Justin Fields so far? <laughs> you mean, you mean Bustin Fields? <laughs> I just, I, you know, I feel, I feel so sad that that he was drafted by the Chicago Bears. I mean, what an absolute shit show! I mean, what an absolute shit show! We have him running this, you know, this this quick hit timing based offense that we built for Andy Dalton and it just doesn't seem like Matt Nagy had a plan for Justin Fields which is which is confusing because he gave you know uh, uh, GM Ryan Pace the push to draft Justin Fields so you would think they would have installed an offense just for him they're, 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 they're running QB power with this little nigga like he's Cam Newton like he, he's not like why are they running QB power with him like he's Trey Lance those aren't the type of design runs you he's like a he's like more of a tactical scrambler than he is a rusher you know what I mean like you look at yeah. Trey Lance. Trey Lance is he's six four two. He's he's big, right? Like he could. If Trey Lance lowers his shoulder against a linebacker, I'm not worried about Trey Lance getting up. Justin Fields, yeah. he's like he's he's stout. He's he's like thick. You pause, but he's he's not a he's not like a big. You know you know what I mean. He's like yeah. He he's like more Russell Wilson than he is Cam Newton. In, in the way yeah. that he runs. Like I said, he's more of a tactical scrambler, but maybe maybe you get some jet motion at the line of scrimmage and some bootleg opposite direction, like get him to use his legs like that, and if it's there, like you, you, you let him scramble. You know, build some some rushing plays into the offense where he has an option as opposed to QB keeps. Like that's not how I want Justin Fields rushing the ball. Like I want the kid to survive a season. So... It doesn't seem like Nagy, uh, you know, um, understands how to use Justin Fields. So hopefully this is the last year we have to deal with Matt Nagy as the head coach for the Chicago Bears. Obviously, they turned the play calling over um, to the to the OC finally. God, I've, I've, he, these dudes are so dogs. I'm forgetting this is my own team. I forget his fucking name. But um, um, it, it's still Matt Nagy's offense. So hopefully we get somebody yeah. in Chicago in the future that understands how to use Justin Fields and, and gets him to perform at a high level. But right now it's really bleak, bro. For the rest of the season, I'm not sure you can start Justin Fields uh, with the current environment that he is now. I, I will say two things. The receivers, they are not uncovering. Allen Robinson, independent of quarterback play, has been dog shit. Like, I'm going to just call it like it is. He has not been good this year, period. Separation has never been an elite part of his game, but he is a sound route runner. He can separate, and he's been blanketed on seemingly every throw. And Justin Fields is a quarterback like he's a better passer than Cam Newton, but he he's like, I can, I can let's not compare him to another black quarterback. I'll compare him to a white quarterback. He's like Kirk Cousins. He likes to see his wide receivers open before he throws. He's like Dak. You know, he likes to see... Uh, I just named another black QB. He likes to see his wide receivers open <laughs> before he throws. And if the receivers aren't uncovering, he, he you know, he, he's, he's like number one in the league or number two in the league in tight window throws. He's forcing the ball because nobody's getting fucking open. That and also, um, I don't know how you can start him in fantasy if he's a pocket passer. I call Justin yeah. Fields 
bust proof for fantasy because you expect this guy to have, you know, a 38 to 45 yard rushing floor. If he doesn't have that, what's the difference between him and Andy Dalton? Yeah, that's a that's a valid point. Um, so, yeah, so that's my two cents on Fields so far. Very sad for Justin Fields because we, we know he's talented and quarterbacks can get ruined early in, in a poor offensive environment. So who knows? I mean, it's still early in the season, relatively early. Hopefully we see some improvement, but I don't expect it to be drastic before the season ends as long as Matt Nagy is still there calling the shots. All right, man. So let me give you another one. Trey Lance, what do you think about what you've seen from Trey Lance so far? Um, I won't do the sad trombone drop, but I mean, you could pretty much do that drop for all these rookie quarterbacks. If we're going to go through these guys. Uh, Trey Lance, he, he, he saw the rushing floor. I think he had 16 carries for almost 90 yards. That's what, we, that's what you want, you know, the, mm-hmm. for, from a rookie QB who isn't, um, um, giving you a high level of efficiency in the passing game. You want them to offer you a floor somewhere. He didn't score any touchdowns. I think he's still like 18 fantasy points. That's, that's what you want from rookie quarterback. He's not going to play unless Jimmy Garoppolo experiences a long-term injury. Um, and he's also dealing with an injury himself. So I don't, I don't even know if he's, he's playing this week. Um, I didn't get the last update on that, but he's a very raw passer. Um, I was able to watch the, the cut up film, the condensed version of the game. You know, he's not a very polished passer. He, 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 he played one game in the past, like, two seasons, you know? So he wasn't necessarily NFL-ready when he was drafted, and I think the coaching staff understood that. He doesn't have the best offensive environment either, bro, and I just say that because Kyle Shanahan, bro, he's kind of a dickhead. So I'm not, I don't really have as much faith in him as I used to. You know, he's a brilliant play caller, but as somebody who runs a team, I don't really have a lot of faith in Shanahan. So it'll be interesting to see how long that regime stays put and what that means for the development of Trey Lance. But from a fantasy perspective, we know when he plays, he's going to be productive because he rested the ball so much. Hopefully, he can develop into, you know, um, um, a competent passer of the football. All right, man, so uh, what about Zach Wilson? What do you think about uh, Zach Wilson? So man, I, I said I wasn't going to do this. <laughs> I had to bring it. Yo, he has looked ass. I saw, you know, his last game, he was throwing, like, a lot of knuckleballs into the dirt. And it's just like, you know. I, I I expected him to rush a little bit more too because he 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 was a tactical scrambler at BYU. I expected him to have a little bit of a rushing floor, but he has not looked good at all. And I think Robert Sala compared his first six starts to Josh Allen's first six starts. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he did that shit. That was you know <laughs> he doesn't have any of the physical tools Josh Allen has, so I don't I don't know why, why you know Josh Allen may not have been a prolific passer, but he can do things on the field as a football player that Zach Zach Wilson can't do. So that was kind of a funny comparison, but I don't know. It's it's impossible to write young QBs off this early because so much of of QB production has to do with offensive environment and the system that they fall into and their comfortability with the scheme and things like that. So I will say so far not good. But, I mean, who knows? Quarterback is one of the most difficult positions to evaluate, if, if not the most difficult to evaluate. Like, tight ends up there, too, I feel like. It's like just because of bus rate comparison. But, you know, man, like, I almost think that the best way to evaluate QB, like, from a fantasy perspective, bro, is just find a motherfucker with, like, ungodly physical talent and a good work <laughs> ethic. You, you know what I mean? Seriously, like, yeah. think about Mahomes. He has, like, a fucking cannon arm. Think of Josh Allen. Big arm, uh, he's a tremendous athlete, great rushing. Think of like how Cam Newton was, huge arm, great rushing. You know, think of Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, big, strong athlete, big arm. I mean, am, am I like those are these are all top six dynasty QBs? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think like to your point, 
you're 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 more likely to get one of those than you are to get like a fucking Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees. Yeah, yes, like yeah, yeah, like you usually. Uh, I think the way you know the league is kind of shifting too. Like uh, it, I'm, I'm running through my head. I can't really think of very many um, statues. You yeah. Know, uh, quarterbacks that that are i mean tom brady but that nigga you know he's a dinosaur bro so (laughs) he's been around since uh, seriously like i saw him beat my favorite team in the super bowl when i was in elementary school so like that's that's how long he's been around i'm 30 so yeah so he's been around a very very long time uh yeah man so uh i I think i think to your point like yeah it seems like it'll probably be easier to find like you know i think trey lance will probably be in that category definitely like an athlete, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that's probably easier to find than, um, you know, like a Drew Brees. But uh, 100%. all right, man. So, <clears throat> what you think about uh, Mac Jones so far? I think you know. I think he's actually from from a, a quarterback evaluation standpoint, from from a passing perspective, he's been the best of the bunch. You know, super mm-hmm. boring. I mean, he's a low end QB two for fantasy purposes in dynasty. He's like what I don't know top. 18 QB, maybe. I mean, I don't get excited about niggas like this, bro. I mean, like, you could keep that yeah. 16 points. I mean, <laughs> he he's going to be somebody who he's going to need. A, the system is good. Like, we've seen the system be productive for fantasy. We've seen Tom Brady with 20 QB1 finishes playing under that Josh McDaniels, like, scheme. That, that Earnhardt, Perkins, Patriots offense. Like, the scheme's fine. But he's going to need a really, really good complement of weapons and some help with game script environment. Like, they're going to have to trust him with the offense. It can't be this, we're going to play good defense, we're going to run the ball to protect it. It can't be that because he's never going to give you anything from a fantasy perspective if they're just trying to bleed clock on teams. But he's good. If anybody's selling him low in Dynasty, I'd be buying him because he can be, uh, um, and I don't even want to call him a QB3. He could be a serviceable QB2. It just depends on what your team build is. But I think I trust Mac Jones as an NFL quarterback for probably just as long as I trust, you know, Trevor Lawrence. I think he's going to be around a long time because he knows how to protect the ball. He knows where to go with the football. He's a good processor of the field. He knows how to play the quarterback position. So I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Mac Jones at the proper value, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And I'll say this too, like, uh, you know, um, we weren't really old enough to be playing fantasy football like back in the day, but I'm pretty sure like Tom Brady wasn't lighting lighting stat sheets up his first few years in the league either. I'm not trying to compare him to Tom because Tom Brady is you know the yes. most successful quarterback of all time, but you know definitely it, you could see him take a step forward. It's not outside of the realm of possibility. Agreed, a hundred percent. Yeah. All right, man. So we got all of the quarterbacks out of the way. Not much. Not much excitement there. Uh, with those with those uh, players thus far, but you know we'll get to some uh, some players who I think you'll be excited to talk about. Uh, we'll start with uh, Jamar Chase. What do you think about what you've seen from Jamar Chase so far? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean he's he's top he's top ten, top five in yards per route run. Not just as a rookie receiver, just a receiver in the NFL. I mean, he was the beta. I mean, you know, um, I'm sorry. He was he was the alpha to Jim, uh, to Justin Jefferson's beta at LSU. You know, um, so a lot of people expected him to come into the season post draft 
And I don't know if they expected him to live up to the billing of the season Justin Jefferson had as a rookie because it was it was so outstanding. But a lot of people were curious to see how he would perform, given that his counterpart at LSU transitioned to the NFL so well, and he did not disappoint. Won't spend a lot of time on on Jamar Chase. He's he's a tremendous talent. It's already translated to the field. He hasn't had a fucking bad game yet, and he's just a big play waiting to happen. He's hashtag good at football, and he's a top five dynasty wide receiver already. Those are just my thoughts yeah. on Jamar Chase. If you if you have anything to add, you can add, but we can move on. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. So uh, we could just leave that there. What do you think about Devontae Smith so far? So far, it, it's been pretty much what I expected from Smitty. I mean, he isn't like a carved out from from marble alpha where you're just gonna like throw him a ball up and he and he's gonna just dominate. Uh, DBs, he wins with nuance in his route running and separation and things like that, and I think he's done a pretty good job of that. Um, I don't know what his ceiling is, you know. I, I, I you know, I, I don't know what his touchdown upside is, given his 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 frame and ability. Um, but if he's going to be peppered with targets in an offense that's like based on time that can get him the ball on time, like where he needs it because he's a separator and that's important for receivers that separate and don't have that like contested catch trump card. I think he can be really good for fantasy purposes. I'd I'd evaluate him as, you know, um season long probably, you know, a back in or mid tier wide receiver three, uh just because his production's so volatile. But in Dynasty you gotta value him as a wide receiver two, back in wide receiver two. I mean we 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 see that offense struggling so it's really hard to evaluate any player in that philadelphia eagles offense but i think so far so good if you drafted Devontae smith you're pretty satisfied with what he's looked like on tape and you're moderately satisfied with the production so i think it's it's you know as planned for him so far yeah i i would agree i have uh i have smitty and um i i have smitty and hurts in our other league uh but yeah i like what i've seen from him so far i'm not really a hundred percent sure on what I think his ceiling is either. Um, you know, uh, based on like what you just said right there, right about like not having the um, that contested catch trump card, man. Like I feel like you kind of need that to be like a, a wide receiver one. I think he's probably uh, somebody you know who uh, I'll like will look at um, similarly to how we look at like a. Uh, Amari Cooper. Mm. Like from a fantasy perspective. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, um, if things break right for him, he could be a wide receiver one, but more than likely he's going to be like in the wide receiver two range, probably high end. That's probably what, you know, I can see that. What it's selling to be like over the course of his career. I can see that. But, um, all right, man. So I'm going to take this one. Okay. Go ahead. Cause, uh, it's my boy, you know, Najee Harris. That's who I have on the sheet next, you know. Um, yeah, I actually, uh, man, I was actually really nervous about him uh, the first few games I, I watched him play. And, you know, I think, man, you had some conversations about it. And I think uh, from what you saw, it was pretty much what you expected. But I was a little nervous about his, uh, you know, um, ineffectiveness for like running the football like he was terrible like the first few weeks and I know like the Steelers have like a like a bad offensive line so it's not like you could blame it solely on him even though you know we have seen some plays where he didn't make the correct decision on where he should take the take the run but uh 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, um, I'm pretty comfortable with the with what he's done so far, and you know, like, uh, you know, we know that the Steelers they want to run everything through one running back, so that's uh, <clears throat> I mean, that's that's going to be good for him and his fantasy production uh, because you know he's not really coming off the field. Um, you know, he's running the ball like a, a little bit better, uh, well, a lot better uh, the past like couple of weeks. But as long as he's getting used the way that he has been getting used so far, like, and it's not like a committee situation, I think he should be in the RB1 conversation. I agree. I agree 100%. And for the sake of time, I'll I'll just give my brief thoughts on Najee Harris. This is exactly what I expected from Najee. And the the offensive line has been performing a little better better than expected. And you kind of see that. In the box score, you know, he's been a lot more efficient on the run over the past, you know, a couple games, if, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, at least with it from, a, from a, totals perspective, a total yards perspective. But, I mean, people are evaluating him as like a top five dynasty RB, and I don't think that's wrong. You know, his, his use is going to be locked in, and, and it's going to be there. Uh, you may wonder, I guess, as a Najee owner, if his if the target distribution is going to change when Big Ben is gone because he's like such a he's like the Drew Brees he's like the 2021 Drew Brees like checking the ball down but you know Najee has looked good enough as an athlete and the thing about Najee like why he was such such a good bet coming in based on his landing spot and his profile it's like he was a workhorse at Alabama he stood up to being a workhorse in college and every workhorse in college is not a shoe in for a workhorse role in the NFL but pretty much every RB that is a workhorse in the NFL was also a workhorse in college. You know, you know what I'm saying? So it was easy to, it was easy. He was just like a shoe in RB one from this class because he had the pedigree and he got the landing spot and he isn't disappointed. I think, I think I I, I locked him in for 60 catches. This motherfucker is going to catch like 80, you know? So you got to feel really good if you've drafted Najee or traded for Najee in dynasty. I think he's going to be around for, you know, a few, a few years getting this work. I mean, I don't really care about his age because I care more about the contract and the usage. You know what I mean? I don't care if he's, I don't care if he's 27, 28 on his first contract. Like that doesn't bother me. So anyway, we can move on to the next guy. All right, man. Uh, where are we at on time? We're at 37. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, so this is your boy, another one, another another one of your guys, uh, Kyle Pitts. What do you think about Pitts so far? Bring me my money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we called it. Me and Buck, me and Buck called the the Kyle Pitts breakout. You know, and if you were on Twitter, you know that the idiots on Twitter were like, "It's because Calvin really didn't play." You know, vacated targets aren't a thing. Like vacated targets, like they don't exist. You know, vacated routes are a thing. You know, some players could potentially like run a bunch more routes when, when somebody's injured. But, you know, his peripherals were there all season, Kyle Pitts, and it was just a matter of time before he had a breakout performance like this. He only got one more target than his uh, season-high target total. He's he's already had a game with nine targets. He got ten in this game, and that could have been, like, due to game script. You know, vacated targets isn't real. Kyle Pitts was bound to break out. So I think that's what everybody's been waiting for. He's pacing the second all-time um, uh, yardage total for a tight end in NFL history. I mean, it's pretty much – what you expected, I think, after the week five performance. It was getting a little sketchy for his year one prospects just because the offense looked bad. Matt Ryan looked bad. He didn't look exceptional his damn self, you know, getting clamped up by 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 slot corners and shit. But they're treating him like he's a wide receiver, so he has to learn quickly, and he has to do well at beating, you know, shadow coverage because they're not letting him 
you know, run against linebackers all day. I know he had the touchdown against the Jets where DN was on him, but I mean, that's that's the Jets. He's going to have to consistently beat, you know, um, um, nickelbacks and things like that, and uh, because defenses are accounting for him. But from a dynasty perspective, you know, I don't I don't understand the argument against Kyle Pitts for dynasty tight end one. He just turned twenty one years old. He's being treated and and deployed like a wide receiver. You know, I heard a lot of T.J. Hawkinson over Kyle Pitts. And Dynasty after T.J. Hawkinson had his, you know, his first two good weeks. Cue the the Oakley guys with the trucker hats meme. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson better, sadly. Um, but I, I don't I don't understand how you can make that argument. Just seeing you know the usage for Kyle Pitts, uh, you know, combine that with his age, how he's being deployed, and just his his sheer talent level. So super excited about Kyle Pitts. If if he isn't your number one tight end in Dynasty, you're probably doing something wrong. All right, let me run this by you real quick. You just made me think about something I saw on Twitter. Um, so trade two sides, right? Uh, one side you got CD and Hawkinson. The other side you have Pitts and DJ Moore. Which one do you like better? The DJ Moore Pitts side easily. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't really think that was like super super debatable. But yes, yeah, it's, it's it's not it's not close to me. I mean, you can argue from a production standpoint. Right now, if you're evaluating the two players, DJ Moore over CeeDee Lamb, just because that defense and that team is so good, they don't have to pepper their wide receivers with targets. I mean, you pay for premium production right now. DJ Moore is a wide receiver one. He's being treated like one, and he's getting the targets like a wide receiver one should get. CeeDee Lamb is not getting that. CeeDee Lamb is a back-end wide receiver two right now. So if I'm making a dynasty trade and I have TJ Hawkinson and CeeDee Lamb on my team and somebody sends me Kyle Pitts and DJ Moore, I'm, I'm not hesitating. I'm absolutely like taking that trade. And this is the last rookie I had down, uh, Javante Williams. What do you think about him so far? I like Javante Williams. I think he is, you know, what we expected as well. I, I had him number three in my rookie rankings after ETN just because I knew his his passing role. I mean, I didn't know how they were going to deploy him in the passing game, and I was willing to bet on, you know, how they were going to utilize ETN in that Jacksonville offense as, as a pass catcher. But, I mean, he's shown, you know, somewhat of a floor. He's still splitting carries 50-50 with Melvin Gordon. So until Melvin Gordon goes away, he's not going to produce um, uh, the way we need to to be a locked-in weekly starter from a fantasy perspective. But everything he's shown on tape has been really good. He's shown the same things that he showed in North Carolina, the ability to evade tackles and make people miss and break tackles and things like that. Once Melvin Gordon leaves, I think it's wheels up for him. My only reservations would be, you know, what's going to happen with the offense? They're super banged up right now. Their quarterback play isn't super high level. Like, are they going to roll with Teddy Bridgewater another year? Because, I mean, I think when you're evaluating Javante, you're looking for the future. So... Are they going to bring, like, is Aaron Rodgers going to land there? Are they going to kick the can on some other veterans? Like, are they going to roll with Teddy Bridgewater? You know, I, I don't want to be a Teddy Bridgewater hater because I think he's a funny guy in real life. But, like, come on. Like, I really want to see Judy and Cortland Sutton and Javante Williams unlocked. And I'm not sure that's the quarterback to do it. Don't get me wrong. He produced three top 25 wide receivers last year, if I'm not mistaken. He can produce them. But, I mean, in terms of a high-level production, like, giving you a, a, a top eight wide receiver, that's never going to happen with Teddy Bridgewater. Um so yeah, I like Javante. I think he's he's very very far behind. Nah, I think he's very very far behind Najee, like a distant rookie RB two. But I think he's somebody that you should buy low on if he's available because I think he's a very talented player. His role will increase once Melvin Gordon leaves. Yeah, don't you think that's like on the horizon? I think so. Like, I mean, hope. I, yeah. I mean, when is this month? like? Is he gonna get suspended for the DUI he got last year? Like, can, like I don't wish injuries on players, but can you lock this <laughs> motherfucker up, bro? Like, it's just these these, these veterans just nag, bro. Like, I mean, why? Are you, like, 
I, I think Jocelyn had a quote uh, like the I forget is it bad girls I don't know like not bad girls like love and hip hop Atlanta, and she said, "Oh, why is you here?" That's how I feel about Melgo, bro. Like, bro, like, go bother somebody else. You know, you always want to see the rookies break out, and like, we want to see what we have in Javante. We're not going to be able to see that until Melvin Gordon leaves, but I think he's a lock to be gone next season. Okay, uh, last one. I didn't have this. I didn't have this player down. I forgot you were drafted in the first round, but I'll ask you about him really quickly. Uh, Jalen Waddle. Any thoughts on Waddle? Yeah, inconclusive. I think I think Waddle has translated to the NFL very well. We've seen him play. Um, and we've seen him be treated like an alpha in that offense. I don't know how much of that has to do with Will Fuller, you know, being unavailable for majority of the season. But when Tua plays, he peppers him with targets. You know, I got to play against that motherfucker this week, uh, Tua and Jalen Waddle. So I think Jalen Waddle's good. At first, I was a little nervous about Justin taking him in the first round of our draft, but now I feel a lot better about it just because of how some of the sec- early second round picks panned out. You know, like the ETN thing. Like we were like, Yo, why don't you take ETN? But now he's hurt. So I, I think I think Jalen Waddle was a pretty good um, late first round pick. You know. Greer, uh, the, the the GM for the Dolphins, he, he drafted this guy in the top 10. Like, I mean, his, yeah. his, his job almost depends on Jalen Waddle being good. So you have to expect the usage to be there. Like, the, the team's going to make a concerted effort to give Jalen Waddle the ball, and I think, he's, I think he's a really good player. So let's see how he looks this weekend. Maybe we can come back and talk about this next week. But yeah, hey, so how you want to go? How you want to go about the rest of the show here, man? Do you want to talk about the topic that, that uh, Buck proposed? Yeah, we could, talk about th- we could talk about that real quick. Let's throw that in there. Okay. All right. So, um, he Buck basically in the chat he asks uh, how um, you should value handcuffs in um, in, in dynasty, and uh, I'll give my thoughts on it, and I'll pass it to you. But I think, you know, for me, um, it really depends on like you know who the player is and who the handcuff is. So, like for example, I don't really think that um, a handcuff is super important for somebody who's like shown that a uh, you know, they're not going to miss any time, like, due to injury. Like, I don't, you know, whoever you would consider to be, like, Ezekiel Elliott's handcuff, like, I mean, prior to this year, because I think Tony Pollard has a role, but, like, prior to this season, whoever you consider to be Ezekiel Elliott's handcuff, like, you know, probably not <clears throat> super valuable. Um, same thing with whoever you would consider to be, like, a, a Derrick Henry's handcuff, like, probably not really valuable. But um, somebody who has, like, a a tendency to miss games due to injury, um, like uh, Dalvin Cook, you know, um, I would value Alexander Madison. Like, you know, um, I, I would uh, I think he's a valuable handcuff because um, because of Dalvin uh, Cook's injury history. And also um, I would factor into like the role that he steps in, you know, when Dalvin Cook does miss games because, you know, he's one of those uh, rare handcuffs well, uh, where if Dalvin Cook misses games, he is essentially Dalvin Cook for the week, you know. Right. Um, same thing with the in the past, like uh, Latavius Murray. That would be somebody who I think, you know, would have been like a good handcuff. I know he doesn't get the passing work necessarily, but whenever Kamara uh, missed time and Latavius Murray was there, like Latavius Murray got – pretty much all of the RB work, you know, that's, um, so, so handcuffs like that, I value, but if it's somebody who's like listed as number two on the depth chart, but you know, if the number one goes down, they're going to shift to a committee. Um, I don't even really consider those players handcuffs and they're not like valuable to me. 
I agree 100%. I won't add many thoughts on that, but from a dynasty perspective, I think handcuffing your own running backs is okay for the reasons that you outlined. Like, if you have Dalvin Cook, I don't think there's anything wrong with rostering Alexander Madison because, like you mentioned, he's the workhorse in the event that Dalvin Cook gets hurt. But from from a strategy perspective, it's always better, like, or the idea is always better to handcuff somebody else's running back because if I have CMC and I also handcuff Justin's uh, Dalvin Cook, then when Dalvin Cook gets hurt, I can then play Christian McCaffrey and Alexander Madison in my lineup. You understand what I'm saying? You know, you, you, you want to handcuff other guys' RBs for upside, and I'm a huge, huge opponent of handcuffing RBs because I just think it's a waste of roster space. In Dynasty, you can get away with it. Like, I'm really contemplating trying to see, you know, what what uh, Tariq wants for Chuba Hubbard because fucking CMC can't stay on the field. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's 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 a suboptimal strategy when it when it when it comes to upside in your roster, but sometimes you have to do it out of necessity. That's what I'll say. All right, let's get let's you go ahead and do your soldier boy shootout because I agree with you. Uh, the game that you called, and then we'll we'll go into uh, the last segment and we'll wrap it up before it gets to an hour. All right, man. So, um, yeah, man, the soldier boy shootout of the week for me and you know Cam too. Uh, the Ravens versus the Chargers. That should be a pretty high scoring game, especially like if the way that both of um, those offenses have performed over the last like couple of weeks will be in the, any indication on how this game will go. Um, that has like a, a a really good chance of being a super high scoring game. I agree too, and I'm 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 actually interested in this game. Like I hope we don't get a dud because Lamar Jackson has been passing so well, but the. Chargers secondary has been playing so well and they've been like daring teams to run on them and the Ravens have no good running backs. So it could be like an ugly game. I'm just like a little nervous about it, but, but I think um, as good as Lamar Jackson has been playing, they're not going to have too much difficulty putting up points. Anyway, let's get into the last segment and we'll wrap up the show. All right, man. So you want to do a sheeper sharp? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So um, this is a segment we did in the past. I'm a name of Dynasty GM that's in our Ace of Spades League, and me and Cam will give our opinion on whether or not they are a sheep or a sharp. Um, it's just about their uh, GM skills. So I'll start with myself. I won't comment on it. I'll let Cam comment on that. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah bro i mean you, you obviously one of one of my favorite gms in the league um but you're also one of the sharpest man like you know i i i admittedly question a lot of the moves that you made this season you got like real trade happy one day i still hate the matt ryan trade but the other ones i mean seem to have panned out you know shifting away from Devonte adams we understand Devonte adams is going to have another all-worldly season this year but his future is uncertain with the potential of Aaron Rodgers leaving, and he's still not under contract for Green Bay. So that's like two rows that Devontae Adams could take to, to limit his production in terms of next year, either him leaving uh, Green Bay on his own accord because he's not signed for the future or Aaron Rodgers leaving. So I think your skepticism kind of paid off there, and you were able to get a really, really good dynasty asset in return in Najee Harris. And then, you know, getting from under Kamara a year early. You know, I think this may be, you know, we, we don't know what the offense is going to look like for New Orleans when they get some competent QB play, and maybe Kamara is one of those outlier talents that plays, you know, well into his late 20s. But I think the process was sound giving up a Camara package to get, you know, DeAndre Swift, somebody who's valued as a top five dynasty RB and you, you get the years and the production is is higher than Camara so far this year. So I think that was a pretty sound trade as well. But you, you've done this for, for a few years now. I mean, you came into the league, you know, doing your research, studying up. You were new to dynasty, but you figured it out pretty quickly and you've been consistently one of the top three GMs every year. Let's move on. I just want to say what, what Pusha T said. 
came in the game eight years prior. Eight years later, your man's on fire. I laughed at him for saying that for so long, bro. That's, that's so funny. Uh, all right, man. Um, Tariq. Yeah, Tariq's sharp, sharp, man. Yeah, he's sharp. Yeah, he's sharp. Uh, you know, the, I, I'll go with you. I agree. Sharp. Yeah, I'm going to say sharp. Yeah, he's sharp, man. Um, you know, he, he, he does, like, his, his process is a little different. You know, I, I think... You you come into Ace of Spades, man, and you look at the landscape of the league, and like you see my team, you see Kurt's team, and a lot of people like will fold, like they'll just turn their cards. But I've appreciated like a couple of the GMs being like, "Well, shit, like fuck these niggas, like I'm I can win too," you know. And yeah. and, and so he he did a, he made a lot of trades that like I wouldn't have done like taking over an orphan because I'm a little more I'm, I'm a little bit more scary. Like and I look towards like the future a lot more, and I don't like the the anxiety that comes with you know going win now and not really having a lot left over. But you have to respect. You know what he's done, and he he hasn't taken an L on like any trade, and he's made a t- he's made a ton of them. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely, think Tariq Sharp. I don't think there's much to be said. Hey Tariq, hey hey, what you want for Chupa Hubbard, bro? He's a backup. Hey, come get this third. Yeah, Tariq, we ready to do business. I respect it. Uh, so I got you on the list next. I think we both agree that you're sharp. Uh, I don't even have to get into too much detail. The dynasty roster speaks for itself. Thanks, bro. Yeah, we can move on, bro. All right, we got up next. We got my man Jay White, Justin. Man, he it, bro, uh, you know, like I spent the whole first six months of the Ace of Spades pod, you know, like shitting on Justin. You know, I, I always give him a hard time, but Justin, bro, he he does so much with so little every year, and his strategy, like Tyreek's, is one that I don't necessarily agree with. But just Justin Sharp, bro, he, he like you can't call Justin a sheep because he has such a large sample size. Of being a successful GM in Ace of Spades I want to say before last year he had the record For highest win percentage in Ace of Spades History like in the regular season and he's a champion You know and, and that shit doesn't happen by accident You, you don't have you, you don't spend 10 years in, in a football league And be the most winningest player if you're not Good at the game so Justin's absolutely A sharp you know he has such a such a different Strategy than myself and like from a dynasty roster Value perspective he's always like Middle of the road but he always builds a roster that's good enough to compete. He's going to figure it out, like whatever that is. And he's been on the ropes a few times where you think, like, finally, he's going to fold. Finally, he's going to be out of it. And then, you know, he finds a way to build this contending roster. I mean, I'm sweating bullets right now going into the week playing this motherfucker. Like, he just doesn't go away, you know? He's like yeah, a roach. I, he's like a cockroach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I agree, man. I think, uh, I think Justin is sharp. Uh, dude is just... He's resourceful, man. Like uh, he is. it's 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 crazy. Like uh, you like like you say, you'll think, you know, uh, you look at his team, and it's like, yeah, it's probably not gonna happen. And then next thing you know, um, Mike Williams is a wide receiver one, and uh, <laughs> James Robinson is still an RB one. So, you know. bro, I was talking, I, I was talking, <laughs> I was talking shit about Justin to somebody. I ain't gonna mention their names, but you know, motherfucker, I was like, man, I don't know if I'm gonna win. You know, we didn't do pick him because, like, for the sake of time, I really wanted to get this segment in because I think people want to listen to it more. But you know, he was like, yo, you, you gonna beat Justin this week? And I was like, man, uh, my team's injured, man. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm missing like a few of my studs. Like, I, I'm not really, I'm not really sure. And I don't feel good about it. And he's like, yeah, with the paid and full, she like niggas get hurt every day. B like you, you KOD right. I mean, look, motherfucker, like, you don't understand, bro. Like, it's different, Kurt. My lineup different. I'm scoring different, B. <laughs> like, it's just like it, his team, hey, whatever they say, his team ain't nothing to play with. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. I I saw Mike, Mike Williams get 165 yards receiving. I almost passed out, bro. I'm like, man, what the hell is going on, man? What the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Uh, so up next, man, we got uh, Danny. Sheep or sharp? Man, man. <laughs> what is Danny? He's spending he's spending a lot of time in these other freaky dynasty leagues, bro. Like he hasn't really like what is he like? I don't really, like Danny. Danny sharp, man. Like he. He's he's teetering on that sheep sharp boundary, but Danny does a good job with his team. He built a good team. I'm not gonna sit up here and like disrespect him. Like Danny's good, but like I don't know. He's like he's like uh he's one of those like wide receivers in the NFL that like we know he's talented, but he always leaves you wanting more. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about Danny. He's like, you know. Like his boy DJ Moore prior to the season. Prior to the season, yeah. 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 Talented okay. but un- underperformer. So yeah. I'll leave him as a sharp right now. Let's move on to the next guy. Oh, unless you got more yeah, thoughts think, on Danny. I was just going to say, I think Danny is sharp too. I would yeah. agree with that, man. Yeah. So, uh, next guy, you got your boy, Dynasty Buck. Man, I wanted to disrespect Buck. I really wanted to disrespect him. But, uh, you know, Buck's sharp, man. Like, his, his, his transactions and his moves, like, speak for themselves. Dating back to the actual rookie draft, the veteran draft he hit. He's hit on waivers, and he's hit on a few trades, you know. Um... Gave him shit about the Diggs trade, but that, that trade's going to pay off. I mean, Diggs is, is getting up there in age. He's about to be 28 years old. He'll go into his age 27, uh, 29 season next year, I'm sorry, and uh, Smitty will be, you know, we talked about Smitty earlier in his value, and he also got a first-round pick. So, Buck's done pretty well with his team, man. He's, he's done good. He's a good league mate, so I won't, I won't give him too much of a hard time. And Buck is, is he's sharp. He's like a, a, a souped-up Danny to me. <laughs> uh, With the age yeah, model, player thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think Buck is sharp too. All right, man. So <clears throat> this this GM wasn't. Uh, I don't think he was in the league when we did this the last time, man. We got a uh, Burke. Burke. What do you think about Burke? Yeah, you know this is gonna be like cheesy. I promise this is an intentional. Like we ain't trying to gas people up, but like. I, I like Burke is sharp, right? Like he just has a different process and evaluation process than than I think we do. Like in Aces, like you have to know your league too. And like Ace of Spades, I think all of us, you know, it's, it's like a copycat league, right? Like everybody copied me for like seven years at Ace of Spades, like how I built my teams around like robust, like a, run, a robust running back strategy. And then you know I finally get taken down and like you know lose to a team like yours that was built around pass catchers like wide receivers and an elite tight end and I kind of shifted my build you know to do that so like it's kind of a copycat league you got to understand your league and like really know the format and I think our format like heavily suits you know youth because it's just it's just difficult to unload aging players so he came into the league and I can't really knock him for buying those aging players because he hasn't really been in the league long enough to assess how we do business so I got to give him a pass on that because I think that's really the only thing I could have knocked him for but he's a savage in traders like he's so active like I mean you could say He's more of a hustler than a sharp, like, if you wanted to, like, knock him. But I, I disagree. I think I think he's sharp because he understands his player values, and he's taken some L's on trades, but they were, like, results-based. It wasn't like we thought he was taking the L when he made the trade. You know what I mean? So he, he's, a sharp to me. he's a sharp to me. Anyway, you yeah, got thoughts? You, you can share your thoughts, and we can go to the next guy. Yeah, no, uh, Burke is sharp. You know, I think he's sharp. Uh I agree with what you said, and, and he is like very active. So, super, um, <clears throat> not a knock though. But uh, yeah, I think um, we got him next. Uh, let's do Chris. Let's do Chris next. Who, what we think about Chris? Hey, he gonna listen to me do this, and he gonna say, "Oh, you motherfuckers, <laughs> <laughs> Chris, man." I, 
I can't. I'm not gonna call Chris a sheep because I can't. Like we just named like seven AGMs and called them all sharp. I'm not gonna call Chris a sheep, bro. And it's not even me just being nice, but based on the the limited sample size we have starting in the summer, date coming into the season, he hasn't made any boneheaded moves, and he's tried to be active. I know he's induced DMs trying to get deals done, and he's actually like, you know, some deals have like fallen apart for Chris, like due to like my advice on a couple. I think. He wanted to send Kenny Galladay for Michael Pittman in a second-round pick, and he asked me if he should do the trade. This was before the season started, and I was like, eh, I don't know. You know, Kenny Galladay just got paid to be an alpha in New York. He's going to have a lot of dynasty value. Pittman, the jury's still on with him. Like, we don't know if that dude's good or not, and Pittman's been, like, outstanding to start the season. Like, you know, so so he could have gotten, like, Pittman in a second-round pick for Galladay and decided, you know, to hold to hold out for a better deal. But, you know, he's tried to make some really good moves. And I think with the transactions that he has made, he's done really good. So I won't call him a sharp yet, but I can't put him in the sheep category because he's better than he has been over the past few years. Yeah, I think I think actually, uh, you know, um, Chris is not like super active. Yeah. But I think some of the times, though, I think I could think of like maybe one or two like trades where I was like, okay, it's a bad trade. But I think Chris actually has like, a uh, good process. Mm-hmm. It's just things don't always like, you know, um, break his way. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the L's that we give him is just based off of like the results. The results. I think Definitely. he like actually make, makes the correct decision a lot of the time. So I think Chris, you know, yeah, I would, <clears throat> I would probably put him in the sharp category. Uh, sharp with bad luck. Yeah, um, for sure. Definitely. Rio. What do we think about Rio? Uh, I can say, like, my, my assessment of Rio is kind of similar to, to like, Chris's. We came in last season giving Rio, like, a really hard time for, like, trying to compete with this, like, super, super dusty roster, bro. And he kind of turned it around. And even this year, he's he's given up some of his future draft picks, but they've all been, like, good bets. You know, yeah. he hasn't he hasn't done any boneheaded trades, you know, as, as far as I can assess. He sent the first and the second, you know, to get Clyde Arizilaire. It's not his fault that, that CH got injured. And he was putting together like a string of really good performances before he got hurt. And then he traded, you know, Javante in a second for Zeke, which, you know, I didn't agree with the trade at all just from where his team was at the time. Um, building for the future and going to trade for Zeke, but you know Zeke has been outstanding. He could he could easily flip Zeke for that value or more. So d- definitely, Rio's got to be in a sharp category. You know, as we're going down this list, bro, I kind of miss when BT and Ray and Tabron were on the on, in the league, bro, because I could just get on the mic for fifteen minutes and just shit on those dudes. It's not really like this segment's not really fun anymore. I was just thinking the same thing, bro. I'm like, yeah. man, this shit don't really hit the same because everybody in the league is, is pretty, pretty good. good. Like, we need some some trash dudes in here so we can laugh at them for a little bit. But, yeah, I agree. Who's that? Um, a flow. Yeah, we got so we we got three GMs left. A flow, okay. V's, Isaiah. You can pick oh, which one you want to go with first. Man, we we're already at a minute and two, so let's like wrap this up in the next few minutes. We stay if we stay under a minute, uh, hour, an hour and ten. Like I feel good about it. I just don't want people to have to listen for so long. Let's talk about V's, bro. This motherfucker right. V's 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 diffy with it, bro. He can't. It's it was duffel bag season for V's. It's Duffy season, bro. Like he took the shittiest roster I've ever seen in any dynasty league, and he's turned it into a very competent process based build. You know, with the moves that he's made, he's very intentional uh, with his process. And, you know, his team's going to look entirely different after that 2022 draft. You know, I wish we had more time. We'll, we'll probably talk about V several times throughout the season because I've been so impressed with the work that he's done. But, I mean, just talk about the night and day difference between him and Tabron. V's is absolutely sharp. And he, he's a, he's a, he's a, you etch this in stone sharp because this is his very first year playing Dynasty football and he's, he's done this shit. 
Like yeah, he, he's way way better than Tay, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Tay Brian, Jesus, yeah, yeah. And I I agree, man. He he put in a lot of work. That team was god awful when when he got it. And you know, I mean, it's it's still pretty bad, but it's bad with draft picks now. So yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, like uh, yeah, I I agree. Um, sharp man for sure. Uh, Definitely. What about a? I don't. I don't really know much about a flow. Like, if you have any thoughts on him, like, uh, yeah, I think made like I, a couple moves, but yeah, a flow is in a category with Danny. Like, you know, Anthony understands dynasty. You know, he's he's made some trades. Like we talked about the Aaron Jones trade. I go back and forth. You know, I mentioned on the last podcast maybe like um, he could have gotten more for Aaron Jones, but then like looking at Aaron Jones like past couple uses, uses like maybe you know maybe not. You know, in that twenty four class is supposed to be stacked with talent, like prospect talent, and uh, he got a full slate of picks in exchange for Aaron Jones. The only the only thing is he had to kick back a second, but you know, for the most part, like I, I think it's hard to to evaluate Aflo because he's made the right process trades. He just hasn't like I think he's had to sell low on a bunch of players. Like he came the season late, like after so many transactions that had been done already. And I didn't think about this until I think we were talking about him a couple weeks ago in a pop, but he kind of missed where like the league was shuffling a lot. And like maybe there would have been some trades out there for him that weren't necessarily there when he came in, you know, after the fact. And he already took a hit when Mook sent Robert Woods for um, essentially two third round picks. So, so yeah, inconclusive. Like he has, he's not as active as some of the other GMs. Hopefully, like we can get a flow a little more engaged. Usually, after the rookie drafts, when people like get their hands on players and like start hand picking players that are on their roster, they're a bit more invested into the league. But inconclusive on a flow right now. All right, and our last GM is uh, Isaiah. Yeah, we've shared thoughts on Isaiah. He's in the the GM of the year race, in my opinion. He's he's similar to. V's in the sense where he doesn't have a ton of dynasty experience, but I think he's caught on really quickly to what he wants to do, and he's done a good job of aligning with that strategy and making moves that 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 fit that build. You know, uh, like I said, you know, we have to tread carefully when GMs come in and they make a lot of moves that we wouldn't make. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're not good at what they do. It just means that uh, they have a different strategy than we have. I see you look on your face right now, man. You got man. the. <laughs> Man, cuz man, dude, don't come in here and, and and try to uh try to smoke me, bro, with all these old players, bro. Do like, do like Elmo did, and just try to collect rookies. Who, and then as soon as they get good enough to like actually do something, trade, they them. trade them away. That's that's what I needed you to do. I needed you to get the next DK and then send them to me for Amari Cooper in the first, bro. That's what I, that's what I needed to happen for me. Elmo was the value king. He was the value king. He'd be like. Shit, these pieces are more valuable. I gotta take it. Like yeah, that, he was the he was the value collector, bro. He did not care about building a winning roster. He he was the he was the sheepest sharp I've ever met, bro. He's so good and yet so puzzling. Like he's an, an enigma. But yeah, back to Isaiah before we wrap up the shows because we still got a, a couple minutes left. So we did a good job wrapping up these GMs. Like I like what he's done because he's really yeah. made the league a lot more competitive and it's a lot more fulfilling to win on a week-to-week basis. You know, we have several good teams that could reasonably compete for a championship. I can't remember the last time Ace of Spades was like this. Seriously. It's probably been, you know, since the 2006... I'm serious. It's been probably since the 2016 season. Maybe 17. I can't really recall. Um, that's Maybe 17 as well, but that's the year Justin won. And I think there were a few more teams that had a shot. But it's been a good four years since there were more than than three teams that had a reasonable shot at their championship. So, I mean, you just you see it based on the segment, the rundown that we just did. The league is just full of 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 sharp GMs. It's full of competitors that understand what they're doing. And it's made 
Ace of Spades better from a competition standpoint, even though the motherfuckers we get in, got in here now is kind of goofy. You know what I'm saying? They're like either white or goofy. You know what I mean? Like they not as <laughs> they not as swagged out and funny as the motherfuckers we had in here. So I feel like Ace of Spades has lost a little bit from from a dialogue perspective, but gained so much from a competition standpoint. I know V's is a real good personality to have in the league. That dude is fucking hilarious. Once he gets more involved in the day to day of the league in terms of the banter, that dude will be funny as hell. But you know, Buck been a really good addition as well, like his personality. But we got to like a lot of guys that are a little more quiet, like a little more timid. And I think that comes with comfortability. Hopefully they get out of their shell a little bit so we can bring that element that we used to have in Ace of Spades and combine it to the high skill level that we have. And I think that's when our league will run a lot more optimally. But, you know, for the past few years, you know, there have always been GMs on the fence, you know, in terms of like whether or not I was going to let them motherfuckers stay in the league. Like we don't have that anymore. Like, all these GMs are, are good and locked into their strategy. So I feel, like, really good with where the league's at, Kurt. And I'll turn it over to you for your final thoughts, and then we can wrap up. No, nah, man, yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, I, um, there are a couple of GMs I'm not really, like, super familiar with. Well, mainly just A-Flow. I haven't really had a conversation with him before. But, you know, uh, yeah, like like you said, like, yeah, you know, I think um, – even initially, though, like with the with the with the way the league used to be, it wasn't. It didn't always start off like that. I think we had been in the league together for such a long time that we got a little more familiar with each other. So Agreed. I think over the course of time, like you know, it'll be the it'll be the uh, the same thing. Like uh, everybody, you know, will have been in the league with each other for years, so we'll be more familiar with each other and feel more comfortable, like joking and stuff like that. So I agree. Yeah, thank thanks for adding that, Kurt. I agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah. All right, bro. As always, guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the show. Please continue to send us podcast ideas because we like to build them into the show notes and contribute or have everybody else contribute to the product that we put out for Ace of Space. Just remember, bro, like we don't do this for us. We do it for y'all. So keep those show ideas coming and we'll put them into the next show. Roll them into the next show. Anyway, I'm rambling, man. Drop the outro. Holla at you boys later. We nine minutes over, but it's all good. And remember... It's up there And it's still Stuck there Peace